Sports Station 104.3 The Man presents the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. All right. So we have a texture on the text line. Can you believe this guy? He doesn't like me. It's unbelievable. And I told him, he, if he listens to the rest of the show and he doesn't like it, I'll give him his money back. Now well, that, that sounds like a great deal. Yeah, you get your money back. Money back guarantee. It's like Dear Show Miko. So for those people who are actually paying for something. I mean, but the same, the similar similarities are very close. I mean, both great products. Exactly. I mean, great product on the radio, in my opinion. Right. And great pot, deer trails, great. Might eat some of that stuff tonight. Great product on the plate. Yep. So, and then he follows up with, you take a dig at Russ at every opportunity. Move to Miami about and your crap QB Tua. Well... The, the funny thing about Tua is everybody's like, and I do have my Dolphin shirt on today, but everybody thinks Tua is the answer. And I, I, I thought coming out of college, I thought, oh, man, he's going to be great. And he hasn't turned out to be great. He had moments, he, you know, flashes last year. Um, yeah, he, he's one hit away of having to retire. Like he's just, you know, he gets his eggs scrambled all the time. So everybody's like super excited about, the Dolphins this year, and they're one, they're one of those teams. They're well coached. They're you know they may be like the Niners. Like doesn't matter who they have a quarterback, they're going to be competitive. But you know, I don't think they're really a threat. I, I was just going to say when you mentioned the Niners that Tua is a better version of even like an Alex Smith if he can stay healthy because he has great receivers who are doing stuff for him down the field. He'll get it to them and they'll make plays, but. He's not going to make a lot of mistakes, but he's just, he's not going to win you games. Yeah. Um, well, I went and looked at his numbers last year, and, you know, he missed quite a few games, but he had really good numbers, you know, for the time, amount of time he played. But one, I don't think he's going to play the entire season and a lot of stuff. So anyway, we don't want to talk um, about that. But the idea that I, I take a dig at Russ every chance I get, it's just simply not true. Uh, for for one thing, if you looked at the last season, um, I was all for, you know, at the time, I was excited about the trade. Now, we were all wrong on it, right? Like, it, it's, it's it, even if you look at last night and you, know, you looked at camp, um, it it's not going to turn out to be a good deal. Like, we are not getting our money's worth. And, and what I've said is, you know, George Payton, he's just just not good. He's just not good at his job. Um, like somebody was talking about, you know, if this Adam Troutman thing holds up, how nervous is George Payton? Because Greg Dulcich is, you know, one of his you know, big moves, splashy picks, right? And if, if he turns out to not be a – you know, I don't know, top 10 well, tight end in the league, that ain't good. But, you know, us in the media, you know, we're a little bit of a victim of, you know, we watched national games and we watched Russ play. 
you know, we're not grinding watching tape like an NFL GM is. And what we now know is that in NFL GM circles, the word was out on Russell Wilson. So if, uh, and I think there was one coach that was like, if if Hackett or um, uh, Peyton would have called us, we would have told him that, yeah, everybody knows that Russ is, is, is washed and he's kind of a product of, you know, Pete Carroll keeping him in check, right? Like they find ways to, you know, limit his rapidly growing deficiencies. So if he had done his due diligence on him, he would have found out that there are big warning signs and perhaps, he, you know, they wouldn't have given away such a ransom and perhaps they would have done what Mike Evans said which was not give up, you know, that, you know, big contract. But, you know, George Payton didn't do that. He was just like, hey, Seattle Russ is awesome. We should, if we can get him, we should, right? You know, he, he was essentially a, a Madden GM, right? Like you play on Madden, you see his rating, and you're like, all right, I'm going to trade for that guy. It doesn't matter. I'll give up all these picks or whatever. What do I care? Boom. And he did a Madden trade. And then he just gave the guy a contract. And that's an issue. But to say that I have always been critical is not true because, one, at, you know, knowing what I knew is like like most fans knew. Did I, had I watched him a lot in Seattle? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll, you know, if he was on nationally and I had the game, I would watch him. And I thought he was a good quarterback. But I didn't know all this stuff that now, you know, then Pete Carroll came out and said, yeah, we, we, we knew. Why do you think we want to get rid of him? I didn't know that. So I was actually, it was hard for me to believe that he was in such a state of decline. And so the rest of the media actually turned on him much earlier than me. I gave him a super long leash uh, because if, if, if you want to say I'm critical all the time of any group on the Broncos, it's actually the offensive line because they've been bad for eight years, nine years, maybe even 10 years. Even during the Super Bowl run, they were not good. In fact, there was a night, uh, there was a moment during the broadcast last night. You know, they had Peyton Manning on, there was a commercial, and it was kind of funny. It was Eli and Peyton. And Peyton was, you know, they're they're trying to show Peyton being cool and dancing with kids, and Peyton was dancing, and Eli was over, you know, dressed like a dork, just sitting there on the sidelines. And they come right back to the broadcast. Ryan Harris was doing the broadcast, and Ryan Harris was like, "Yeah, I taught Peyton some of those moves." And my, immediately, what came to my head was, "Yeah." I agree. I bet, Ryan, because when you were blocking for him, he had to learn how to dance because he was running for his life. He was dancing in that pocket, escaping essentially, you know, unchecked pass rushers. Now, yeah, I, I actually think you know, Ryan Harris is good at what he does and he's good in the media. He seems like a good, you know, nice guy. And um, I like him as a personality, uh, but he was not good. Even on the Super Bowl teams, they had problems. 
on the offensive line. So this 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 long, maybe decade long history with a bad offensive line even predates the rest of the team going in the tank. It's been bad for a long time. So I gave Russell Wilson like a long leash and and we wanted to believe because the whole offense is deficient. Right? Like they they they've been trying to piecemeal along with subpar running backs for example. Right? Like CJ Anderson. We all love CJ Anderson, right? Like at his best it was a you know kind of a pathetic all right, let's just even though you know this is a meaningless game and we're out of it, we're gonna you know try and get him a thousand yards. Like he, he was just never a dominant rusher. He he was a role player, right? Or you know, look or Philip Lindsay, who never should have been a workhorse back, and they just you know shoot him up and spit him out, and his career was over essentially. Right? Like, he never should have been in that role, but he was in that role. And, you know, their their one attempt at really having a star running back was Melvin Gordon, and then they mismanaged him, and, and he, he also couldn't hang on to the ball. But Melvin Gordon was a guy that if you're going to pay him all that money, he... he he wasn't a 50-50 player. Like, he shouldn't be splitting carries 50-50 with other kind of no-name backs, right? Like, he should have been playing, I don't know, 80 or 90% of the snaps, and they just never did that, and it was mismanaged. Because Melvin Gordon, aside from his, uh, you know, fumbling, which was bad, actually produced at a pretty good level, but he he seemed to be one of those backs that, Got better as time wore the game wore on, and he got more touches. He's you know some running backs are like that, right? Now Philip Lindsay, you know, is kind of the opposite. Like, you know, he Philip Lindsay can come in and in one and two two plays break one to the end zone, right? Because defenses aren't used to him. He's he's a different look. He's small. He's it's hard to get angles on him, and he's fast. Yeah, Lindsey's best year was when he had Royce Freeman to come in and spell him. There you go. Another game, you know, name Royce Freeman, for example. These are the type of running backs they've had. So they haven't had, they tried with Melvin Gordon, but then they mismanaged him. They haven't had dominant running backs or even really good running backs for the most part. So that's an issue. Um, Wide receivers. Every single wide receiver outside of Tim Patrick has been a huge disappointment for one reason or another over what their expectations were. Like, we've, we're constantly talking about how good this guy could be. Right? Well, if K.J. Hamler, and K.J. Hamler, and I feel for him for you know, what he's going through, but never did anything, ever. And he was a second-round pick. Jerry Judy, we're talking about, like, Cecil's high on Jerry Judy, and we all hope that Jerry Judy has a good season. Talking about, well, he might get to, he should get to under receptions. Like, that, you know, going into his fourth year, drafted as highly as he should, that should be a no-brainer. Like, this guy should be thirteen to 1,500 yards and 10, 12, 14 touchdowns. And we're talking, and Cecil was talking about, 
you know, 100 receptions, maybe six touchdowns. Jerry Judy has been a supreme disappointment, and I think with Sean Payton, he'll have his best season. There's no reason to believe he shouldn't have his best season, but he's been a supreme disappointment. Cortland Sutton looks like that was one of the real positives of this camp and the game last night. Cortland Sutton has looked really so much better than he has in the last two years. But even at his best, the one year that he was at his best, he was a top 20 receiver in the league. He wasn't top five. He wasn't top 10. So people want to act like, oh, well, before he got hurt, like he was a dominant elite wide receiver. The the facts just don't bear that out. Like he was a legitimate NFL wide receiver. And it looks like this year he's going to be back to being a legitimate wide receiver again. But to expect him to be a you know a top ten wide receiver, I just don't think it's realistic because he's never been that, right? So when I was looking at Russell Wilson, I gave him a, and we know what the offensive line was, right? And you know, there there has not been great tight end play. So nowhere on this offense have they excelled really anywhere. I mean, tell me, tell me where they've they've got an exceptional play, right? Tell me any place on the offensive line where they've got an exceptional play. It's It just really hasn't existed. So even though we thought Russell Wilson was going to come in last year and, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, we thought he was an elite Hall of Fame type quarterback that was going to make people better, right? Like, like a John Elway with his freak athletic talent, was going to be able to scramble and use his cannon arm and his ability to see people downfield and just zip it in there and, and get around some of the deficiencies of, you know, if, the, if stuff broke down in front of him, right? Yeah, he's supposed to be a tiny John Elway. There we go. Like an Aaron Rodgers, even now, has an ability to just make plays. And we thought... That's what we were getting in Russell Wilson. And it just turned out not to be true. So I gave him a long leash. But then as the season wore on and you saw certain things from him, you, you your eyeballs just, you know, at least my eyeballs just told me, wait a minute. He is making mistakes that it, I don't remember him making before. Just like bad like like the Colts game, just a bad interception that cost them, a, a, you know, wound up. If he had made the play, they win the game. He makes a bad interception, they wind up later losing the game. And other other there are other you know situations where a younger Russell Wilson makes the throw earlier and and tighter and better, and now it's an interception down the field or an incompletion. Like, so there was a body of evidence that yes, other players around him were not good. And the offensive line was terrible and he was getting sacked at a ridiculous rate, but he was also part of the problem. So to say that I was always anytime I can saying negative things about Russell Wilson is not true because for the majority of last season, it was actually the majority of the season 
I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. But at some point, it becomes, wait a minute, you know, your eyes are telling you the, the evidence is showing that he, he's in a decline and he's not the player that we thought he was going to be. Now, my position this year is I need to wait and see. And I'm not going to make snap judgments based on what I'm seeing in camp. And I'm going to tell you why on that, because I've been out of camp and I shared a lot of this last night. James hinted at it. I shared a little bit of it with James last segment or when we had James on anyway. But I'm going to tell you why I really don't think we can take a lot, even though we've seen a lot of stuff at camp. I'm going to tell you why when it comes to Russell Wilson and this team, I'm really, I really think we have to reserve judgment until they really start playing games in the regular season. I'll tell you why coming up next. Taking a break from laying down the law in the courtroom to lay down the law in the sports world. Here's Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. All right, so I want to, I got a lot of you reacting. So I want to get to your your guys first, because this is the people's show. Make no mistake about it. And I, I actually see other hosts actually now kind of following this model. Um, and I, and I appreciate that, but this is the people show. And that's, that's one of the things that makes this show, I believe entertaining, right? And this show, just so you guys know behind the scenes, I mean, this show is blowing up like more and more of you are listening. We're getting more and more feedback and, you know, we didn't, we're not supposed to talk about ratings, but you know, those have been going up and all that stuff, but it's because, uh, it's because I think in large part, you know, my policy well, the policies of the show, right? Which, you know, one was, you know, flattery will get you everywhere, right? You know, that's always kind, kind of a big deal. But also, um, I really think, and I tell you this, I want you to be engaged. You know, because me sitting here and talking to myself for three hours, hey, listen, I love to hear myself talk, right? I love the sound of my own voice, obviously, right? Haha. But if you bring something funny something clever, something passionate, even if you disagree with me. And, you know, you're not just, you know, texting in to insult people. But, you know, if it's, you know, even if you want to, you know, criticize, that's fine if it's passionate and it's good and it's well thought out and it's well reasoned. That's fine, too. But that makes for a better show. And so I encourage you if, you know, you have something good. Now, listen, if it's, you know, it's just like the old Jim Rome show, right? Like, you know, bad takes suck. So we're not looking for, you know, just vanilla stuff. But if you have something passionate, something funny, something clever, we want to hear from you. And so a lot of you guys have been reacting. And, you know, I'll get to as many of them as I can right now. And then, you know, I have, you know, still quite a few thoughts of my own I want to get to. But, you know, and by the way, um, I like getting your opinion. And then, you know, but I don't, you you know, I don't just 
fill up the show with run-of-the-mill guests, right? I do have guests on, but I have guys like James on who have strong opinions, right? Um, because just get, having guests on for the sake of having guests on, it, it's bad. Like, I actually could go out and get Broncos on. They say nothing interesting. Did you hear? Now, last night, for example, we played Russell Wilson's postgame press conference. Russell Wilson, and this is what he does, this is his MO, and it's probably smart. It's really smart, right? But if you listen to his postgame press conference last night, it was like they played at a Hall of Fame level, praising everybody, and everything was great. It was all sunshine and rainbows. And we know now, right, from the Ryan Leaf quotes, that he's actually programmed his brain and himself to almost at all times remove all negative thinking from his brain. So there would be nothing, even if you were were willing to come on the show, there would be nothing compelling about that. And actually, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be good because um, I would actually go at him in a fair way, but I, I would ask him some very hard questions about the charity situation because I still don't think he has ever taken responsibility for what has appeared to go on with his charity foundation. And I just, th- that really is upsetting to me because I think he actually has done a lot of good. And I think, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I think his heart is in the right place. But he's never come out and just owned it and been accountable. And that's upsetting to me because of what he sells us, uh, he sells to the public for his, his public persona, right? And I don't even care if he wanted to win the Walter Payton Award so bad that he hired a PR firm. All that parts of the story, I don't care. But I do care, what I do care about, you know, if, and we don't know this to be true, but if he had people on his staff double-dipping by getting enormous outside of the norm, outside of best practices, salaries, if they were using you know, the, the charity to funnel cash to people that were really working for him and Sierra personally, and then like, oh, well, yeah, let me get money from the charity too, right? If they were drawing full-time salaries from both, all that stuff we never got an answer to. Um, if he came on the show, that's, that's, that's what I would ask him about because I don't think he's ever owned up to it. And that's, that's, that's a something um, – that's a, that's a huge – professional flaw that I think he needs to come clean on and own up to it. And, you know, because it may very well be that he's not complicit in it and he found out about it, uh, but she should be. It's, it's his foundation. He, he should know about the budget. I mean, they sh- there should be board meetings and they're approving the budget and things like that. Um, but so, but in general, having players on, not a great idea. Because here's what typically happens when you have players on. Media can't help themselves. They become biased in favor of that player because they kind of feel, oh, that's my buddy. He was good to us, this, that, and the other. And they're going to give this guy more of a you know benefit of the doubt because they, they like him. And it's, it makes them harder for them to be objective. Yeah, Melvin Gordon's great. He's never fumbled once. 
There you go. I'll get to this. Somebody said I'm a Melvin Gordon apologist. So I'll get to that text here in a minute. So anyway, I like to bring you guys into the show. If you bring good stuff, it's funny. And I do bring people on the show, but it's really, most time, it's another personality from the station who's also paid to give their opinions. Whether you like them or not, they're here to give opinions. So that's that's how the show works. So let's do it. Let's get to some of your stuff here. <clears throat> I agree with you, but you can't blame the drop passes by receivers on Russ. Uh, Yeah, Jerry Judy, by the way, that's something to keep an eye on because it just wasn't a bad, bad drop last night. There was also a bad, bad drop this week in practice. So what we know is Jerry Judy had a problem with drops in college, the very first game that I watched, so it was during the pandemic, you know, when they're looking at drafting him. And so I come home and, you know, they're they're replaying, you know, one of Jerry Judy's games, I think it was against LSU. And it was the second half. The first play that of that I saw, I turn on, Jerry Judy wide open down the field. Drop. And then the next play of which he's a factor, you know, they move the, you know, they move more down the field. Jerry Judy wide open in the end zone drop. And then much like last night, they go back to him. Jerry Judy wide open in the end zone. He catches the ball. He gets credit for the touchdown. It's like, so he had similar problems in college with drops and they drafted him anyway and his last his first year in the league you're like man this guy if he doesn't improve improve this you, you got to get rid of him you just got to cut him right and and here's where I got actually I remember I had one exchange with a you know a different member of the media I said you got to stop doing this because it was a familiar everybody started comparing him to Jerry Rice well you know, Jerry Rice had drops his first year, which, by the way, Jerry Rice's drop problem was nowhere near pronounced as pronounced as um, Jerry Judy's. But it's, I, I don't think it's fair to Jerry Judy when you start throwing like, hey, Jerry Rice, uh, because the comparison to Jerry Rice was absurd. Jerry Judy is never going to be in the same league as Jerry Rice. So... Jerry, you know, you want to know why Jerry Rice fixed his drop problem? Because Jerry Rice may have been the, you know, I don't know, maybe outside of Peyton Manning, the hardest working player in the history of the league. Best receiver of all time. He's the best receiver. That's right. Best receiver of all time. So that's not even fair to expect that out of Jerry Judy. And what we've seen in the two years since is Jerry Judy, up until now, drops really haven't been a problem. In the, mm, I don't know, he's played 25 games in the last two years, I think. Now, the production hasn't been great. But, um, you know, drops for the most part. I think he's, you know, he's just, they really haven't been something that have jumped out in bitches. So you're like, all right, well, the drops aren't an issue. Production has been an issue. But, um, you know, and there's been this misnomer that, 
Oh, he was a top receiver in the last six games last year, which also was not true. Um, in the, the final six games, um, he had 200-yard games, one of them being he had a really nice statistical game in a blowout route against the Rams, who were terrible that year, but they can't, you know, they, they destroyed the Broncos, and so he had a lot of empty stats in that game, uh, which I don't believe even was a touchdown. He had, in those six games, only scored in one game, which was the Kansas City game in which they lost, and he threw a tantrum in the first half, so much so that um, one, of, one of his teammates shoved him and said, you know, shut your mouth. And then he blew up in the second half, and he had a great second half. He had three touchdowns. So he gets credit for that. But he wasn't scoring in that six-game stretch other than that one half. And he had 200-yard games, and he had other games where one game I think he had 35 or 38 yards. And, you know, other, so those other games, it was really not that productive at all. So, but it's one of those narratives that people like to keep putting out to say, all right, he's going to be great. He's going to be awesome. And he's actually had a pretty good camp. He's had a couple drops, though, that you want to keep an eye on. Corlin Sutton has looked really good. So there's evidence there to show that those two receivers are going to be much better than they have been. Now, are they going to be... Elite top 10 receivers, I don't know. They could have good statistical years, though. We'll just have to wait and see. And which, you know, eventually I'll get to it. I want to get to some more of your texts. Um, but we'll get to that. Um, so somebody says, um, "Did Dan, Jerry, Judy did drop one pass that hit him right in the numbers. Yep, that's right. That's what we just talked about. Another text says, to me, the Broncos are below average to average until proven otherwise after a full season. Interesting to see the passion over a preseason game and how many hours of airtime talking about it. Only in the NFL, it is still the sport in America. Well, heck yeah, dude. We're always like this because we live and breathe for the football season, which is relatively short, right? What is it, like five five months? And then we got to go... You know, the, the other, what, seven months without it. So we'll even take last night's preseason football against the Cardinals that are probably going to be the worst team in the league that they don't even bother playing their starters. This one, this text says, Russ ain't worth 250 milli. If you can't see that, you're effing blind. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Even if you take... What you've seen out of Russ in camp so far, as as most favorably to him as you ha you know as you can, he's not worth that contract. He's just not because he's at best right now playing at a serviceable maybe you know he's an average player. It's science, but he's not a top of the league type player. And he's making top of the league type money. Dan, you are the most unbiased and honest host on the fan. No fanboy goggles for you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. As you know, on uh, flattery will get you everywhere on this program. Russ was a consolation prize 
We all know they wanted Aaron Rodgers and settled for us and then threw money at him blindly. George Payton needs to go away as soon as possible. Hashtag OG Louis D in Denver. Well, there you go. I think that's a fair statement. Let me see if I can read this. Hello, friend. Matt and Centennial here. I'm just now tuning into the show. What were your thoughts on Russell's performance last night? I'm looking for ideas for my pit boss smoker today as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't think Russ played particularly well. I think a lot of that is the offensive line play was atrocious in front of him. He also had some other, but but his throws also were not great. He had the Jerry Judy drop. Uh, Russ also took off and fumbled and recovered it. Or actually, I don't. I, actually, I think the fumble was in the pocket. But you know, but fumbled it and recovered it. It was a, basically a sack, and he fumbled it and recovered it. Um, no, he didn't look great. I, I disagree wholeheartedly with James Merrillat that says, if you don't understand that that was really good football uh, quarterback play, then you don't know how to evaluate quarterbacks. I, I, I don't think that could be any further from the truth. It was not great quarterback play. Not at all. I mean, yeah, he, he had a couple of nice throws, but he... he, he he, was, he completed 55% of his passes, man. And he had one touchdown. Not great. And James was like, well, but for the missed field goals, you know, they would have scored on three of the four drives. Well, I guess that's a fair statement, but are we not past this expectation of, okay, well, at least we can get in field goal range? Like, that has p- killed this team for the last seven or eight years. This, well, we can just, I mean, any almost any team in the NFL can get into field goal range. We need to score touchdowns to get past this worst in the league offensive ranking. Let's get one more in here before we need to take a break, and then we'll get some more after the break. I already know that the offensive line, yes, poor, will be the scapegoat for guys like James, Cecil, Stink, Evans, etc. It's a Russ problem, though. The most sacked QB in the league since 2014. He is the common denominator. Yeah, I mean, that's what James Maryland does, right? Like, he's, he's on the Russ bandwagon. There's nothing you can say that will get him to admit that it's a Russ problem. And then if, if they're not successful this year... He will scapegoat because he's going to say the offensive line is bad. Because the offensive line right now, I can just tell you, having been out to camp, they don't look great. All right, let's get one more in. Dan, the first intelligent thing to come out of your mouth. I don't know what he's referring to. This is a guy that was, you know, the move to Miami guy earlier in the show. This is a guy that, you know, wants his money back. By the way, somebody else texted in, that's not fair. You're offering this guy his money back. I've hated your show for years, and I've never got you've never got given me a refund. So I texted him back. I said, "Well, how much have we charged you for the, listening to the show? Have you know? I probably will refund it. Tell we'll me give exactly. you back all zero of the dollars. Yeah, like I don't think we've ever charged you anything for tuning in. And I, I don't know if he's responded. All right, we'll take a uh, quick timeout. Probably tell you about Deer Show Miko in this break. Um, And then uh, we'll get more of your reaction on the other side.
execution. Okay, that got really dark fast. Now back to his honor, Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver Sports Station, 1043, The Fan. All right, this next text reminds me of the, to tell you about the uh, Bonneville Strong Fire Relief Fund. Um, our company, Bonneville, has launched a fundraiser to help the people of Maui. Man, it is not a good situation out there. It's just heartbreaking. Um, now, we've we've had a lot of wildfires here in Colorado, um, and I'm not even comparing the two. But it does. It breaks your heart. You, you see the stuff on TV, and, and it's just complete and total annihilation of just a huge part of Maui. Um, so if you want to help, you can go to denversports.com. It's at the top of the page. You'll see a link to the Bonneville Maui Strong Fire Relief Fund. 100% of the donations go to the Ma- uh, Hawaii Community Foundation serving Maui. Again, that's the Bonneville Maui Strong Fire Relief Fund at denversports.com. The reason I I was reminded to tell you about that was this text. It says, Dan, don't forget about how our former left guard was going to be great for 10 plus years. Yeah, that's Dalton Reisner, right? And I say that. Because, yeah, I mean, he was going to be the guy. He was going to be a franchise-type offensive lineman. Plug him in. You'll never have to worry about that position again for like 10 years, just like the texter says. And we were all rooting for him. He's a local guy. And, you know, I'm a Northeastern guy. You know, that's where I met my wife was at Northeastern Junior College. Um, You know, when I go out, you know, that's where I'm a judge in two towns out there. And, you know, you – I actually had, you know, we're chatting with people out there, you know, while I'm doing my docket and people are asking about him and how, do, you know, how do I get him to come speak through his foundation? Does just a ton of great, his, his off season's gobbled up by, he's going out to all those small towns out there in Northeastern Colorado or a lot of them, you know? And so I'm, you know, I firmly believe that if you're blessed with what, Anything, if you're, especially if you're a celebrity, though, right? If you're if you're blessed with fame and fortune and a platform where people, um, you know, admire you and will listen to you as certain thing, and I'm not talking politically, you know, I don't, you know, if it, yeah, you're you're free if you want to spout views or whatever, that's fine. If you want to take up causes, but that, but that's not what I'm talking about. But if you're in a position to help others and bless others, I think. You have some responsibility to do that, or at least, you know, you should, and you should help others. Now, how that takes form, whatever, that's up to you, right? So that's why the situation with Russell Wilson's charity bothers me so much, because I think Russell Wilson does do a lot, but, you know, you don't use a charity as a slush fund for your friends and buddies, and that's what it appears to be, and because he's not willing to be forthright about it, that perception is going to be out there. Now, I, you know, actually, he's been successful in riding out the storm, unless there's a follow-up article when the new financials come out, you know, next year. Um, you know, maybe he's just, you know, because I'm the only one that ever talks about it anymore. But I bring it up a lot because I think it needs to be 
brought up until he faces accountability for it. But that's why, because I'm passionate about this, right? And so I was rooting for Dalton Reisner to be successful, but he wasn't. And I don't even think he still got a job. Like the rest of the league said, thanks, but no thanks. So very interesting to me. Um, so the texture brought up a good point. Does the 104.3 The Fan employ anybody who's actually a Bronco fan? Anybody who's not a transplant hack from somewhere else? Just wondering. Well, how about Cecil Lammy? Now, Cecil says he's not. First off, he's he's from here. Um, so. But Are we he, sure about that? Yes, I'm 100% sure about that. And he. Um, says he's not a Broncos fan, but if you listen to him, he's a Broncos fan, right? I mean, sometimes he wears Broncos jersey, jerseys. And I'm 100% convinced that he wants the Broncos to do well. But he's going to give you a straight-up opinion. Um, now, is Mark Schlereth from here? No. But he played for the team and won two Super Bowls. You think he's rooting for their downfall? And, and I just, just got to be honest with you. For this, the station's been on the air for, I don't know, 28 years now, I think. For 26 of them, most of the hosts have been like the rest of the people that cover the team. Overly positive. And that was where people like James and myself were different. We were more objective. Right. But I think finally, you know, five or six years into this futility and them starting the season saying how great the Broncos were going to be and it was going to be different because, oh, well, Vic Fangio or, okay, well, Hackett now is different or George Payton's going to be so much better and blah, 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 blah. Every year when there was something new, right? They even gave, yeah, Vance Joseph a big old pass. They bought up. The leader of men stuff, hook, line, and sinker. I mean, I have to tell you, I was on a different station at the time. And there were some hosts uh, that were hosting before my show. I was doing nights. And I actually was so fired up about this, I called in. And I said, guys, you can't do this. You lose all credibility when you promote this leader of men garbage, it means nothing, and there's no qualification to say he's actually got that. He's he's supremely unqualified to be the head coach of this team, and just because the, the team throws out this ridiculous narrative and you buy it up, you know, you're lo- you look foolish. And then when I did that, I get a call the next day. Dan... You know, these guys have been nothing but nice to you. You can't call into their show and take them to the woodshed like that. So I got kind of called into the office on it. So traditionally, the media and even my brothers here, that's what they do. They prop up the team. You know, like Joe Williams, you know, got rich. He was the only guy. How did he get rich? He made a living 
Probably millions. I don't know how much money Joe Williams made, but probably he made a very comfortable living because he was the one guy in town that called it straight on John Elway. Now, we all love John Elway as a player, but he never won a Super Bowl until he got a Hall of Fame running back, a Hall of Fame left tackle, a Hall of Fame tight end, and a bunch of, you know, a stacked roster and a Hall of Fame candidate for a head coach. And Joe Williams was one of the very few people in the media that was willing to stand up and say something to the contrary. Everybody else just kind of sucked at the teat of John Elway. And John Elway did not like it, I'll tell you that much. And it's the same, it was the same up until a couple years ago, the same with, with me and James and the rest of this station and the rest of everybody else. I I, you know, well, I guess I'm not going to say it, but, you know, I, I had a term for it. So, to, to your point, Texter, the only reason that the, the, the criticism is there for the team is because they're in their worst stretch in team history. When Pat Bolin owned this team, they were never this terrible. So, I mean, what do you want us to say? I think I might be the most positive on the station right now because even though it was bad last night, yeah, I mean, you have to understand, the offense looked atrocious. And like Zach By put in a, a tweet last night, this is not encouraging because, and I'm paraphrasing, they're facing the backups the second team and I don't know maybe it was the third team by the time Russ got his touchdown I don't know you know what level of start of you know the roster was depth chart was playing at by that time by the fourth series but we're playing the backups for what is projecting projected to be the worst team in the league this year and we're struggling mightily our starters are getting smoked it's not good so, you know, I don't what type of analysis do you want from us in front of the microphone here on the station? Like Russell Wilson was a supreme disappointment last year. What do you want us to say? No, he's great. Like when he had a couple of good practices this week, we were happy to say Russ looked great. But when he doesn't look great, everybody except for James is going to tell you he didn't look great because that's what our eyeballs see. All right, some more uh, some more texts coming up. One more hour to go on the Dan Jacobs Show on a beautiful Saturday.